God, we sing and we believe that. We give you all the praise. For that's the reason we sing that you paid it all, Jesus. God, that you would love us so much that you would send your son to die in our place. May we not forget it. May we, make, may we never take it for granted. Help the cross to be on the forefront of our minds as we listen to your word. Speak to our hearts, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, uh, Mr. Roger, how are you? Okay, sir. So, how long have you been working with Big Dog Project? Now, in two weeks, when I started working with Big Dog Business. Okay. Yeah. So, what what is that I see you're building in the background? Yeah, we are building up something that is going to help us to develop ourselves as businessmen. And uh, what exactly is that? We are starting out to take our own project. Oh, a business. A business. What yeah. are you going to call the name? It's going to be called Big Dogs Men Take Away. Oh, Big Dogs Men Take Away. So that means you're going to deal on fast foods. Now, what kind of eats are you going to be making? We are going to be making chapats, Rolex, sambusas, muoko, then, and plow. Oh. Yeah, we'll add more in the future. How about chai chai? Chai. Yes. Maybe in the evening. In the evening. And in the morning? In the morning. So, um, who gave you this? How did you manage to get this place? This place it was given to us by Madame Evelyn. Oh, Madame Evelyn. Yeah. She's a woman with a wonderful heart, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, she's a wonderful woman. So, um, how about the capital? Because it's a big business, the way you just explained it. Yeah, about the capital, we've been saving because us as big dogs men, we are given, every week we are given 100 each. $100,000 or $100,000? Oh, $100,000 shillings. Shillings, Ugandan yeah. money? Yeah. So how do you save for the project? Uh, everyone brings one, brings 10K. 10,000? Yeah. So how many you are in a number? How many are you? In the project or the number of... The number of the people from, uh, raising money for the big dog. Takeaway. We are 13 people. 13 people. Yeah. So that means each week you're raising 13,000, 130,000. Yeah. So you may not have understand all that, but Bigger Dog has a takeaway stand now in Uganda. So what he said was, they are, they have, uh, the money they've been making from working, uh, they have saved 100,000 shillings a week amongst them, and they are opening up a little burrito shop, we would call it, a little burrito shack. And they are going to make uh, chai, you heard that in the morning, in the evening. They're going to have chai, they're going to have Rolex. Rolex is what we would call a burrito. And uh, so they're going to have burrito in the morning for everybody, and they're going to have three or four of the things that I'm not quite sure what they were, but I'm sure they're going to be good. I want you to see that today, to see the Lord's work is still going on, and when there's faith, hope, and love, things changes. Faith, hope, and love. There is faith, there is hope, and there is love. There wasn't faith, hope, and love for a long time for those folks by their record. Uh, they were destitute, they were struggling, but the Lord showed up one day, and Jesus has been at work, and they just keep 
looking at life and, and the hope is moving them to say, hey, this is going to be different. And uh, so uh, I just get a kick out of big dog's takeaway, big dog's takeaway. It may sweep Uganda, then sweep Africa and all over the place. There will be big dog's men takeaway franchises everywhere. And they wonder, who is this big dog? All right, Matthew chapter 8, faith, hope, and love. The next rest of the summer, we're going to talk about faith, hope, and love. Today, we're going to talk about faith. Matthew chapter 8. In the Gospels, there's two different stories about this same story. There's Luke's account. There's Matthew's account. Many of the atheists believe that this contradicts uh, Scripture, that this is uh, out of line, so it proves that the Bible is not real, but it doesn't do that for me at all, of course. Um, in Matthew's account, the centurion went up to Jesus. In Luke's account, uh, elders, Jewish elders went up to Jesus and requested this healing of this servant. In both accounts, there's still faith. In both accounts, there's still, there's still uh, uh, faith. There's still healing. But uh, the explanations that you have there is this. The explanations are that um, in Luke's account, perhaps the centurion sent emissaries to go speak to Jesus. That's an indication. There's also another possibility that the, em the emissaries went first and dealt with Jesus, and then after they went to him, then uh, the centurion came and followed it up. But regardless of the case, same story, same event, same wonderful lesson about faith. So let's look at Matthew chapter 8. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does that. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith? I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go let it be done for you, for you as you have believed. Go and let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Okay. What can we learn from this? What will the Lord show us here? Let's take a look at it. First of all, verse 13. Let it be done for you as you have believed. There's something to that, isn't it? There's something to belief. 
There's a power in believing. Things happen when we believe that doesn't happen unless we believe. Belief is, is a force. Belief has its own unique power to it. There is all kinds of example after example in the Bible that shows what God does as a result of people's belief. No question about that. Many people want to argue about that, explain that away, and, and come up with all kinds of ex- explanations for why that happens or why it doesn't happen. But, but I think we ought to just come to the place and go, there's no question about this, that what happened in this particular occasion was the centurion believed Jesus for the healing, and Jesus healed the centurion's servant. And so when I read this scripture, I want to, I want to know what is that belief like? What are, the, what are the ingredients of that belief? What, what, what is there about this Saturian that allowed him to believe like this that the Jewish people didn't believe? What was there about him? What was his makeup? What caused it to happen? And, and, and there are some indications here. First of all, in verse 5, it says when he entered Capernaum, Capernaum is Jesus' headquarters for his ministry around the Sea of Galilee, a little village on the Sea of Galilee. A centurion came forward to him. A centurion was what we would understand today in our army and marines. It, it, it's a captain or a lieutenant. A centurion would be uh, responsible for 100 men, a century. Centurion was their leader. And so he's in the Roman uh, army, and he's got 100 people. Most likely, because of what Luke has to say about him, that this centurion is a good man. He's an honorable man. He's a man that helped us build our synagogue. Jesus, please listen to him because, man, he's a good guy, and he really helped us, and he he cares about us. So more than likely, this centurion was responsible for the Roman uh, soldiers on that part of the Sea of Galilee in that little village. And so he's got a reputation as being a good guy. He's got a reputation of being a good person, but that's not why Jesus healed his servant. It just identifies of who he is for the purpose of letting the Jewish people see that a Gentile had that kind of faith and the Lord responded. He says, when he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him. He says, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. Luke tells us that he really did indeed care for his servant. Who was his servant? Nobody knows. Just a Jewish lad, more than likely. Perhaps a Jewish young teenager that was his servant. You know, did his clothes, cooked some food perhaps, swept his house, took care of him. If if he needed something in the market, would go to the market for him. But there there was a relationship that this lieutenant or captain had with his servant. And the servant found themselves suffering terribly. And he comes and he says, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, the words of Jesus, I will come and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. And so the first thing about this guy's faith 
his humility. Lord, I'm not worthy. He didn't see himself as a big deal. He didn't come to the Lord and say, Lord, well, look what all I've done for you. Look how special I am. Look, look how I have been so honorable to the Jewish people. He didn't come to him with a, with a perspective of, you owe me. And so be real careful with that. Be real careful with pride. Be real careful with selfishness. Be real careful with your ambition. Be real careful with your flesh. Because that's not believing. He was humble. He was, he was full of humility. And he saw himself to be unworthy for the Lord to come to his house. And so the belief that he had was a belief that was grounded in humility. And he says, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. That's faith. That's belief. Lord, I believe in you so much that you don't even need to come to my house. You can just say the word, and my servant will be healed. And here's his understanding of that. For I, too, am a man under authority. I, too. He recognized that Jesus was under the authority of the Father. He recognizes that. He recognized the, the principle of authority. And he says, for I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. So, understanding authority is part of the ingredients of the centurion's belief. Understanding authority. That works itself up with what? He's the Lord and we are not. He is God and we are not. He is almighty and we are not. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. He is Lord of all. And we believe in that. We believe in authority. We believe that God does only what God desires to do. And one of the aspects of recognizing the authority of Jesus here is this. We ask the Lord to do something. And if he doesn't do it, we get mad, we get angry, we don't want anything to do with the Lord anymore. That's not recognizing authority. And oftentimes that's one of the issues of a lack of faith in us. We want what we want, and we ask for it, and when we don't get it, we gripe and we complain. There's, there's, ang there's anger that builds in people with that. But, but not this centurion. This centurion, he recognizes, he understands authority, and he comes to the Lord with humility and the recognition of authority. Lord, you're the Lord, and you're going to do what only you can do. And if you choose not to do it, because I recognize authority, I'm going to be accepting of it. He comes to the Lord without any concern with what people think. He comes to the Lord with a request that only would glorify God out in the open, publicly confessing that the only way the servant is going to be healed is if Jesus does it. His request was without a net. He'd have a backup plan. 
The only plan he had was Jesus. And he says, he hears Jesus is Capernaum. Good opportunity. Please, Jesus, come heal my servant. And it's public. It's out in the open. He's not concerned with what people think about it. Elements of faith. Elements of faith. He believed God openly as a Roman centurion. Not a good political position for him to be in. I'm sure that, that because he's so open in faith here, there were some probably some ramifications that might indeed take place in his career. But he didn't care. That's faith. That's belief. Not concerned with what people think, only concerned with what God thinks. Not living to please man, but only living to please God. That's the kind of faith this guy had. And without a net. If the Lord doesn't do it, my servant will die. If the Lord doesn't do it, my servant will not get any better. And so he comes to him, and there's something about praying without a net. A couple of weeks ago, Kyle shared with us, Kyle and Amy shared with us, and he talked about miracle after miracle after miracle that happened. Things they've seen, healings. They, 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 they see it all the time. And, and the, one of the only explanations I can have is, why does the Lord heal like that there and not here? What's going on there? And, and one of the pieces that I'm not sure it's in the right place, I'm not sure it's accurate, but it's definitely a, a, a piece of the puzzle with that because I'm always trying to figure that out. I want to know. I myself have seen miracles there, and, and I've, I've prayed the same prayers there that I've prayed here, and oftentimes I see miracles there, don't see it here. Same person, same weaknesses, same fragile mindset, me. You know, I've got warts, I've got problems, struggles. But I've prayed there and, and, and people healed. For instance, one guy, we go to a place and, and uh, before we have our time with the church, they ask us to go to a barn and to pray for this man without any preparation whatsoever, walk into the barn and they've got a guy chained up with a thick chain on a table. And the pastor looks at us and says, he's demon-possessed. Please pray for him. We chained him up so he wouldn't hurt you. He's been throwing acid on people. He's been attacking people. And he's on this bed with, with chain that we would pull a car or truck with, a big gauge chain. They've got, and they've got shackles on him, just like you would see in a movie or something. And I, I, I swallowed hard. I, I saw the guy and went, oh, man. Something I don't see every day. I've never been to the hospital, and they got. Now I've been in the hospital, and they got people with those little flimsy straps on, but chains. Not one of you here has ever called me to go over to your house and pray for your kid or something. You got him chained to a bed. So it was a, I didn't get it. No one taught me about that in seminary. And so they said, "Please pray." All right then. And I just kind of paused, and I said, Lord, this is your deal. And I, I don't know what to say or how to say it, but I just started praying. And I asked the Lord to heal him. I asked the Lord to whatever's going on, whatever demon he's experiencing, to be released from this demon. And about an hour later, we prayed for him, and, and he did calm down when we were praying for him. 
he calmed down enough for his mother to come and take some water and, and just wash his face and his, his, his hair, which was really tender and very affectionate. And you could tell the mom was just, just grieving over his, her son, this man that they have to chain up to keep him from hurting the white people that are going to come see him. And about an hour later, the service is over. We're walking around the property, and they're talking about this and that and the other. And here he come walking out. They unchained him. He was okay. He was smiling. He, he looked at us and said, thank you. And the people were rejoicing and just, and I just stood there and went, that's what it's like to pray without a net. My prayer wasn't filled with, we probably need to get a psychologist. My prayer wasn't filled with, there's medications for this. My prayer wasn't filled with, how can we help him? Only the Lord. And that's the only thing I can think about the difference of it. And on this side of the ocean, in Western society, when we have so much to rely on, that could be a problem. We got a net. This guy had no net. Pray first before you go to the doctor without a net. Trust the doctor without a net. Do the medical stuff by all means. You're going to do that, right? But the prayer needs to be without a net. Lord, give the doctor the ability. Lord, you're the authority of this. You're powerful. You gave that doctor the ability. You have given people the, the ability to make the medicines our prayer ought to be a little different, and faith ought to be part of our prayer. Oftentimes, our prayer with a net is like this. We're praying in man's ability to fix things. And there's a real difference between praying for man's ability to fix things and praying for the Lord to do the work. And that's what I see here in this centurion. He prayed for the Lord to do the work. Jesus commended that. Jesus commended his faith. His request was submitted to God's pleasure. His request was submitted that Jesus would be the final decider. Jesus would do what he desires to do. He wasn't going to argue him into it. He wasn't going to plead beyond pleading with it. He just makes an appeal. He makes a plea. He cares. He's concerned. He's compassionate about the situation, but he just lays it out there. He just lays it out there. His request was submitted to God's pleasure. A couple of questions to help you deal with this scripture. What do you believe in God for today? What in your life are you believing God for? What are you trusting in God alone for? What praying are you doing today that is a circumstance that if God doesn't do it, it won't get done? What do you believe in God for? What are you believing in for today? Leonard Ravenhill was an evangelist that lived in the, the early part of the 1900s. 
He passed away, I think, in 1970 or so. He was born like in 1904. And Leonard Hill was an evangelist from England. And he came to America in his ministry and preached all across our country. And he was buried right outside of Lindale, Texas. And on his tombstone are these words. Is what you're living for worth Jesus dying for? catches my attention. Is what you're living for, is it worth Christ dying for? What do you believe in God for today? Are you believing in God for things only God can do? Are you believing God for great things? Are you believing God for things that reveals your heart and your belief, the depth of your belief and the depth of your faith? You see, faith is the instrument, not the cause. Faith is the instrument. Christ is the cause. Faith leads us to pray bold prayers. Faith leads us to pray without a net. Faith leads us to pray with all humility, just taking whatever decision the Lord makes and blessing Him and praising Him. Faith leads us to pray with great passion, with raw faith, with faith that's without a net. Faith is the instrument, not the cause. Christ is the cause. Isn't it interesting that surrounded by Jewish people, surrounded by Pharisees who are always around him, looking for something to entrap him with, surrounded by naysayers, surrounded by religious people that couldn't stand him because he saw himself to be the Messiah. And at this point in their their ministry, they're still trying to sort out who he is, but they're concerned with his following. They're concerned with the power and the influence that he's building, And, and, and they're really anxious about it. And Jesus says, So all of them can hear. Here is a Gentile of the feared Romans, of the despised Romans, of the occupier. Here is the least likely to have faith among us. And and in my way of thinking, as Jesus is saying this, I can't help but, but, you know, the Scripture doesn't say this, but just pure speculation that Jesus seeing hearts, knowing hearts, looking at lives, seeing that great Pharisee, seeing that great rabbi, seeing that great Sadducee out there, the one that knows the law backwards and forwards, to say, the faith ought to be coming from you. The faith ought to be coming from you. It ought to be coming from us, God's people. It ought to be the chosen ones that this kind of faith comes from, the ones that talk about God more often. And, and here this Roman comes who believes, who the Romans believed in all kinds of gods, and most of all in sensuality, in pleasure, in hedonism, and here among the Romans where there is little belief in God. And here he stands forward for all to see, and he comes and he submits with reverence to me. And he says, I haven't seen that kind of faith here. And Jesus goes on to prophesy, people are going to come from the east and the west and die at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven.
What he's saying to the Jewish people is this. A most unlikely person believes. Isn't it true that in life you have experienced that the most unlikely people believe and trust? What do you believe in God for? What would Jesus say about your belief today? What are you believing the Lord for? Father, help us today to be open to these words, to be open to what you have to say to us. And Lord, in this topic of belief, Lord, show us where we're at. Show us where we need to be. Help us to see the changes that we need to make to trust you, to believe you, to honor you, to revere you, to come to you boldly, to come to you with humility, humbly, to come to you without a net, to come with you without any regard for what other people think, to come to you, Lord, without any constraints, just come to you, Lord, as we are, with faults and warts and struggles, and, and just to come to you, Lord, just fully depending upon you. Lord, your word tells us here that you delight in the faith of people that come to you with a whole heart. Help us, Lord, to have our hearts be mended, to be healed, to be touched by you, and help us to have this kind of a faith that we would come to you as Lord of all and for your pleasure and for your delight. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.